0: Good morning, how are you? Well, it's a joy for us to be here today, and I'm glad that uh, you chose to come out. And what I understand is dire North Carolina weather <laughs> to be here. So, yeah, well, we're hoping you appreciate our little gift from Chicago. Well, my name is Tom Raven, and uh, my, my wife is here, Sheree, as well. And I thought I'd just take just a moment to, uh, to inter- sorry, Sheree, would you like to stand up? <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, Jerry. Um I'd like to take uh, just a moment to show you a picture of our kids as well. I was able to pull one out. These are our three, our three of them here. No, well, that's all of them. Sorry, three of them. James on the right. Um, James is uh, our, uh, he's our bookworm. Just loves to read, loves to do his studies and stuff. TC on the far left, he is our rambunctious uh, wild child over there, and we love it. Um, and then in the center is Sierra and... Uh, she is all girl, 100%. Uh, changes her outfit about three or four times a day, and usually there's pink involved. So, uh, so that's our kids. So we like them. We like them. I think we'll hang on to them. So. Well, this morning, uh, I want to walk through a passage of Scripture that may even be familiar to a few of you, but there may be a point or two in it that might be a little bit unique. And I think that uniqueness challenges us, especially in the area of surrender, but not just in the area of surrender, but in the reward for surrender as well. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, take a look at Philippians. We'll be in chapter 2, starting in verse 5 through uh, 11, and I have it provided on the screen for you if you'd like to go about it that way. But uh, if you have your your word and you want to open it up and take a look, uh, great avenue that way as well. Philippians chapter 2. Let's just go ahead and read the whole passage. And it says here in chapter, or verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross; therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee would bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this morning, I I want us to kind of dissect this passage for just a little while. As we come into the Christmas season, we come into this knowing that God came to our earth in the form of a human and in the most humble form that you can come into earth as a child, a little baby. And so as we talk about surrender today, there's equal of a vulnerability position that God calls us to be in. And this passage teaches us that. At the very beginning, uh, let me read this this verse in verse 5 again to you. It says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, often when we read scripture or we hear messages or we're listening to Christian music, talking with a Christian friend, often the, the question comes up, what is the Lord trying to tell me? Is the Lord speaking to me? Or I hear something and I say, is that the Lord's will for my life? Well, this morning as we start in the passage, let me answer that question for you very clearly. Yes. The answer is yes. This passage is the Lord's will for our life. God this morning is saying to us, the truth of this passage apply to every single person. And so this verse is very clear as the writer writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Letting us know in the front, this what I'm about to say, this is what we need to be about as believers. And so uh, there's another translation in the New American Standard Bible that says it this way, I kind of like it. And think the same way that Christ Jesus thought. Pretty simple, to the point. Think the same way as Christ Jesus thought. So this morning, as we jump into the rest of this passage, I want us to think from that perspective, that God indeed is calling us in this direction. And when we talk about surrender, which can be a hard topic when we start to apply it to the practical areas of our life, that God is speaking to us there. So let's take a look, and we'll go on a little bit further. There's a phrase I want you to remember this morning and grab hold of. I'll say it several times. It says this, a journey that begins with surrender always ends with exaltation let me say it again a journey that begins with surrender always ends with exaltation why don't we just take a moment will you uh, repeat that with me is that okay a little interaction good you don't have a choice all right repeat it with me all right a journey that begins with surrender always ends with exaltation all right, now, with adults, I expect you to be very prim and proper when you say something out loud, making sure you pronounce it correctly and you don't embarrass yourself with the person next to you. So I appreciate you saying it that way. Uh, but let's say a little less that way and more loud and make sure we've, we've got it down in, in our being and that it's coming from that. So try it again with me. A journey that begins with surrender always ends with exaltation. Perfect. You got it. I want to come back to that several times because the theme this morning has to do with surrendering and the reward that God wants to offer us when we do it. Have you ever been humbled? Yeah? Good. You want to share? I'll share. I was uh, an 18-year-old. I was a junior high pastor. I had gone from high school. I was going to college at Azusa Pacific, and I got this little junior high Uh, ministry position, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, Well, I mean, some people say that's true today, but uh, I I didn't know what I was doing. So basically, we just went down. We started shooting hoops at the apartment complexes, and these kids just started coming. They started kind of following us, and uh, we went from like eight to like 50 junior hires, just like that. We didn't even do anything, Um, and so it was time for youth camp, and we took 47 students to youth camp. Now, this little church had never taken more than three or four kids to youth camp. So the whole logistics themselves was an adventure. But when we got to youth camp, I remember walking through the registration building. It was kind of this building you go through and then you go to the back side and you head to your cabins and, and those type of things. I remember walking through this building like with this pride, you know. I'm walking through with my, come on, 47 people with me. And, you know, I'm, I was really proud of what, what we had happened. In fact, as we got through the registration building, I learned that we were the largest group At that, it was a Wesleyan camp at that camp in in the San Diego area. And I mean, so I'm really pretty puffed out by about that point, thinking, 18 year old youth pastor, you know, what comes next for this guy? And so we got to our cabins and we were going through the activities of camp and that type of stuff. And um, one particular afternoon, um, we played some basketball. And I I was really, I I literally remember thinking, man, these kids just love me and so I went back to my cabin it was free time and and uh I went into the cabin to do some business in our house we we do this and that means I got to use the restroom you know when when you're in a crowd and the kid doesn't want to call out mom I gotta go to the bathroom it's like this so we know so I was in the cabin like this and uh, so you've you've kind of <laughs> can do that uh, interpretation yourself so uh so I'm in the cabin. I'm all alone in the cabin. It's one of those normal cabins. It's got about 12 beds or so. And the bathroom is tucked to the back of the cabin. So I'm in there and, uh, you know, doing. And so and then I hear kind of this rustling at the front of the cabin, uh, at the entrance to the cabin. And uh, I, I'm thinking, oh, the junior hires are coming in. They're, they're headed in. But then I hear a word that petrifies me. One of the kids said, there's a snake. I'm not a fan of snakes. In, in any way. I know that there's some of you right now that already want to verbalize that there's good snakes and bad snakes. That is not true. Um, they're all bad. Every single one of them. And so I'm sitting there um, you know, in a very vulnerable position thinking there is a snake that, has, that is near the vicinity of this cabin. Uh, and then I started to listening to their voices, started to understand that the snake was coming into the cabin. Now there's a full front area I would have to go through to get out of the cabin and so I'm starting to panic just a little bit so I call out to the to these junior hires out there hey hey guys I'm in here what's going on out there and now they start to interact with me about this snake that has entered the cabin and telling me where he's at that he's in the he's in the front of the room he went under a bed I think you can run for it no no no, he's back out and so I'm sitting here by now you know I'm back fully dressed and I'm now standing on top of the toilet um, thinking there, there might be a little bit of, of leeway if he comes in that I can jump or something. And so uh, I hear the voices talk about, you know, he's going back towards the bathroom area. By now, you know those, you know those the special needs bars on there? I mean, by now I am up on top of these special needs bars, you know, trying to figure out where this snake is here. Um, just, you know, just getting panicked. I'm starting to look at the little window, you know, the ventilation window that's just designed to open and get just a little bit of air through. And I'm starting to think about my body and that window and what might need to happen to get through that window. And I just decided, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, a high school runner and I was always the fastest on, on, on my college team, so I thought, I'm just going to sprint for it here. And so I, I did. I just leaped down off and it was a. All the way out the door, I didn't stop, and think. So I said, there's actually some junior hires in the cabin as I was going by, which, what I'm, it sounds odd afterwards, but at the time, I'm running by like, what are you doing? And so I run out of the cabin, and as I get out of the cabin, there's 25 or so junior hires just laughing hysterically, pointing at me, because I was the butt of their joke in that situation. I remember very clearly walking away from that, thinking, and I've, I've thought in many years, how much the Lord used that to just chop me down to size. To say, you're, you're nothing fantastic. <laughs> These guys are not praising you. Nobody's bowing down because of any numbers. You know, they just see you as, as another guy who the, who the Lord is using in youth ministry. We're, I was humbled. This passage talks about this at the beginning. Look at it again, and we're talking about Christ here. It says here in chapter, or verse 6, Talk about Jesus, who in the very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and then being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient. See, we're talking about Christ here. And as Jesus came into this world and lived his 30 and now 33 to this point years, that Christ had this role he needed to play. And the only way that he was going to play this role is if he stepped down off of something that he was entitled to. In fact, it was God himself that was the first example of this. Because God himself, the king of our universe, I mean, the one that we bow down to, the one that that we're told in Scripture, we we can't even get our eyes up off the floor to put put our eyes on him because of his holiness humbled himself, surrendered to take the form of a human. And in the surrendering came to earth. And in Christ, in that role, the incarnate God, Christ had a role to play as well that that required his surrender all the way to the point of death on a cross. And so this example of Christ is this example of surrender. Take a look at just a couple of the phrases that show up in this passage. One is this, he made himself nothing. Another translation says he emptied himself. You know, this is a theological point that people often wrestle with and they debate. Um, But as you see how he emptied himself, it's very clear, and most everyone would agree on this, there is some part of his divinity that he emptied himself. Now, he was always God in human form, but there was some attribute of his divinity or something he was entitled to because he was God incarnate that he chose not to use. Hence the word grasp or exploited in some other translations. He emptied himself. Made himself, this passage says, nothing. The next one says he humbled himself. Notice the way it's written there. He humbled himself. It wasn't God who came down and said, you'll be humbled, boom, and it happened. There was an active part that Jesus had to play in this humbling. It's no different for us. That God does not, though he imparts his grace on us, God does not dictate our surrender. But he allows us to say, I'm going to surrender before this. I'm going to humble myself before God. And then finally, it says he became obedient. Obedient. Do you know that that word obedient, it doesn't really fit uh, into a camp unless you use the word surrender as well. Obedience and surrender, obedience and humbling ourselves, it all goes hand in hand. You can't exercise your own will all the time and use the word obedient at the same time. It doesn't work that way. And so we find here that Christ, our example, he was obedient. We know for Christ he was obedient all the way to the point of death. Now you may say, well, he was God. He knew he had to go there. He knew he had to do that. But it was clear in the garden that he was praying and saying, Lord, if there's any way that you can cause this to pass, I'm on board with that plan. But if not, I'll go with what you got. He surrendered all the way to the point of obedience. Here's a question I have for you this morning. What do you need to surrender? In your life, what do you have to surrender? Can you imagine if Christ turned to God in the garden and said, forget it, God, I'm out? What do we have to surrender before God? I would imagine this morning that in your life there's just a number of things that might come to mind, whether it's uh, the type of of husband or wife that you are, or father or mother you are to your kids, maybe that there is uh, just something in the way of, of finances or spending. Maybe for some of you today, it's just a matter of surrendering your life to Christ for the first time, of just saying, I've heard it, I've been around this place or other churches and I've heard that salvation message But you know, somehow I kind of escape the feeling, I get out the doors, I go on my way, and I've not been ready to surrender to that. The list goes on and on, but let's just hold that and we'll come back to it at the end. But keep processing that question. What do you need to surrender? Take a look at what it says in this this passage in Matthew 16. We have this great story of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, well, you need to... Hold all the commandments. You know all the commandments. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart and go just all the way down the list. And he says, I've done that. I did every single one of you, them. And then Jesus says this to him. If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Well, this was very uh, troublesome to this young man because he was very rich and he went away sad. We don't even get a glimpse that he made any commitment or any surrender here. Now, often we like to wrestle sometimes with the the issue of whether it means you can't be rich as a Christian or what. That's not the point of the passage at all. The point is whatever is in your way, whatever has not been surrendered in our life, needs to be surrendered. I remember back when I was a teen, and I didn't become a Christian until about 16. I'll actually talk about that in a minute. But I remember that illustration of inviting Christ into our life and bringing him into the foyer of your life and letting him kind of look around that that wasn't enough, that we need to allow God access to the living room of our life and the den and the side rooms and the bedrooms and every aspect of our life. And even when sometimes we hide everything, you know, like you do in that closet and you close the door, that we need to allow Christ that access to that closet and just let him in. And if he opens the door and the junk just flies everywhere like we see in those sitcoms, so be it, but we let him in. That's what he was talking about in this passage. The disciples say, well, who then can be saved here, Lord? Somebody that followed the law this whole time, who can be saved? And Jesus says, you know, with man, it's it's impossible. But then he says this passage, with God, all things are possible. Today, if you're up against something that is just nearly impossible for you to surrender before the Lord, if there's some private sin going on in your life that just dictates the ebb and flow of your life, dictates the emotional state of your life, it is impossible for you on your own to eliminate it. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. That God can infiltrate, come in, and that can be surrendered through his grace to him. Let's, let's hold that and go on, and then we'll bring it together at the end. Remember our, our phrase this morning that I want you to remember. Remember. A journey that begins with surrender always ends with exaltation now we've talked a little bit about the surrender part and that's the tough part it's tough to surrender when we seek to surrender god brings the dark parts of our hearts to the surface but let's talk about the exaltation as well now i haven't won many awards in my life um i don't know if you're award people or have won a few awards i saw your rodeo jacket so um, that was that was an award um I haven't won many awards in my life. I played baseball from four years old all the way through college. Uh, never won an award. Never was on an all star team or anything like that. Have very little trophies unless they say participation at the bottom. And I mean, let's face it. Parti- you know, those were great when I was six and seven, but when I was 18, you know, those were going in a box. But there was an award I won you, and I'm very proud of this award. I was at a Diamondbacks baseball game uh, at Bank One Ballpark, Chase Field now, and uh, it was pretty packed night. We were with the church group that night. About 30,000 people in attendance, not all from our church. Only about 50 were from our church. And so they went around before, and they would pick people to do these little contests. Have you seen them before baseball games? Uh, you know, little funny things where you put the bat on your head and spin around and try to run and things like that. So I got selected to do this, as, long, uh, as well as one other girl from our uh, church. And uh, what it turned out to be, I didn't know when I was signing up, but what it turned out to be was a dance-off contest on the, uh, it was actually on the top of the dugouts during a certain part of the game. So, uh, so Jackie and I, we went down and, and, uh, uh, it went from kind of a funny little thing that the church people might like to total petrified panic state as I'm standing at the steps of the dugout about to get on and look around to these 30,000 people, um, also, it, it comes into play that I, uh, I don't know how to dance. Um, I move around in my living room with my family who kind of get the complete uncensored version of me. Um, but I don't think there's anything there that if it was videoed and then checked out later would be interpreted as dance. I think it would just be movement. And if you threw the right music to it, but you'd have to put the music in after the dance... <laughs> because there's nothing that I'm gonna be able to match up when I hear the music. So I'm up there, and I, um, now I'm waiting. Jackie goes first, and she moves around and does a few things that somewhat resemble dance. Um, and it was my turn, so, um, so I went at it. Now, before I tell you what I did there, um, I want you to know that I walked away with that title that night. Um, I won that dance off on that dugout. By applause, uh, I won, meaning 30,000 people were convinced that I was the better dancer that night. Um, it's a little bit of a blur and a haze what happened on the top of the dugout. I know there was a little bit of this uh, that went down, and um, somehow I ended up on my belly doing something. It was it was a little a little odd, but I won the award that night, and I say I still have it. It's uh, it was uh, not a trophy, a plaque, but it was a McDonald's T-shirt that they handed out that night, and uh, I still wear that McDonald's T-shirt proudly and sometimes even tell the story. You know, in this passage, uh, God has a reward for us. He has an exaltation for us. And whether we're in the same position as me with a silly dance-off where we're panicked when we go before him to surrender, at the end of the panic, when we come before him and we release of ourselves to him, he has a reward for us. Take a look at this passage. It says, Let me catch up and then we'll go forward with the next verse. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now, don't miss that. Catch what he's saying. The therefore he was exalted. Therefore, God exalted. What is the therefore? Well, anytime you see that in Scripture, you need to look right back at at, uh, what's previous. And we just read it the humbling of himself making himself nothing, becoming obedient. Therefore, God exalts him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name. Here's a phrase for you. Remember this. Jesus was not exalted because of his divinity in this passage. He was exalted because of his humility. That It was not his divinity. It was not that he was God incarnate that caused God here to exalt him to this position. It is because of his humility, his surrendering, his obedience to carry out the role that God had for him, to be that person that God had. You see, as the author writes it and the way the way the author writes it, it would really make no sense and be unfair to us if it didn't mean this. Because as we look at that, when he says you should have the same attitude that is in Christ. Remember we talked about that as, at the beginning. Well, how would we have the same attitude? How could we follow the same mindset of Christ and the same example of Christ if Christ's reward in this situation is strictly because of his divinity? But it's because of his humility. It's because he is one that in this human form, he is willing to surrender himself and say, God, whatever you want from me, i'll do it and god exalts him up do you know that the same reward is out there for us the the same reward god wants to lift us up exalt us god wants to show us victory in our surrender god wants to eliminate anything that we struggle with or deal with that is a barrier to our relationship and walk with him and when it's stripped away he wants to exalt us give us joy Here's a statement, just simply. God wants to lift you up. That's a key statement. You should let that sink into your being, especially if you're one that you know you came in today and you're hurting and struggling with an area of life. You're dealing with something that's just been so incredibly hard to surrender. And I know there's times where, many times, where it's easy for the Christian world to just kind of say, well, just buck it up and surrender, you'll be fine. It's much more difficult. We understand. Some of you might have come in with that. The phrase is, "God wants to lift you up. He wants to do it." There's a couple of verses I wanted to put in here that speak to this. One is in Matthew chapter 11, verse uh, 28. It says, "This come to us, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest." Rest sounds pretty good. Last night it was about 9:30, I think, when we got back to the hotel and it was such a great day spending with, with many of you, but I was whoops! <laughs> I was talking with Dave at, at the dinner and I was trying to hide my yawns, you know, when you make them come out sideways, <laughs> you know, to try to hide them. Rest was good last night. It was real good. In your life, when maybe you've spent years dealing with something or, or a barrier in your life, God wants to give us that rest. Here's another verse, and it's one of my favorites in the Bible. It comes from actually the the New Living Translation. I come that you might have life, and more life than you've ever dreamed of. I'm a pretty good dreamer. I can be quiet and reflect for a little while and dream about futures. More life than you can ever dream of is what Christ says here. And then finally, James sums it all up in one passage. He just simply says, Humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Notice how it's said there. You don't need a lot of uh, uh, expository work in there. It's so clear in James, and you can claim that as a promise, that if God says it that way, you can claim it. He wants to lift you up. I was 16 when it happened to me. I was at a beach camp with uh, a bunch of other teens, and we were down at the beach, and the, the way it worked is there was the beach here, and then, a lot of uh, uh i don't know what you call it at the beach but it was a kind of a cliff went straight up and there was a path that wove through and then we camped up on the top and so we were down at the beach it was late at night we had the fire going and uh our assistant pastor was down there and we always kind of, kind of thought our assistant ca- our pastor was a little bit of a, a goofy guy i mean we liked him and everything uh, but uh, you know how teenagers sometimes we can get together and and find a way to to make fun of little things so uh pastor thomas was saying stuff like look at those r- waves rolling in you know when we go back to our camp those will roll in all night long and only god will be here to hear them well it might sound profound and prophetic to us but uh, as 16 uh, year old guys we thought it was uh, kind of funny so we uh, started making a little bit of fun of that as we're walking back we're, look at those trees blowing in the bush or blowing in the the wind it'll blow all night long only god will be there probably mocked it four or five times I got back up to my my tent and I went in my tent my roommate had gone home for some event and so I was alone there and I sat down to go to sleep that night and it hit me the thought if no one else had interest in my life if no one ever came to try to supply the things that I thought I needed in my life God would be there and that was what I needed to hear After a little statement that I mocked four or five times walking up, that statement hit me, that God is there. And so that night, I surrendered before Christ. I I didn't know anything about saying a prayer. I I didn't know how that worked. I just know, I said, God, if this is all true, I'm on board with it. And, And I became a Christian that night, and it has stuck ever since. I knew after I surrendered my life, something was different. It was completely different. And so I moved forward in my life knowing that. The phrase this morning is, a journey that begins with surrender always ends in exaltation. Now I asked you before to hold on to that thing that you were, needed to surrender. You need to look over to God. It would really be a big problem in your walk with God to know it comes to the surface, to know it's there in front of you, and to bypass what God's doing so that you can get out the door and get to lunch and get on with your day Because God wants to do business with us when he speaks with us. So this morning, if there be something in your life that you need to surrender before him, in just a minute when we pray, I want to give you that opportunity to just do that business with God, to surrender it and lay it before him this morning. It may be something that you deem small in your life, but it's a barrier. Or it may be something huge. Maybe for you it's just simply surrendering your life and saying yes to Christ, come into my life and be my Savior. But one thing is completely true. It's hard to advance in our Christian walk if we don't surrender before God in individual areas of our life. It's hard to advance and ever find the hope that life has to offer if we don't surrender before Him and receive Him as our Savior in the first place. Well, let me go before the Lord here and and pray with you. I want to, as I pray it, it might feel like a little bit of an extended time for you praying. But I want you to wrestle over a couple of the phrases that you heard this morning, and then go before God, and I'll direct you as we pray. Let's pray. Father, this morning I know that in a group this size and in myself, Lord, that there are things in our life that you would have us surrender. There's things in our life that we know are barriers to our connection and our relationship with you. Lord, there's times when we just simply say, I I just don't even know if I can hear from God or I don't know when it'll get better in my life or I don't know when this situation will pass. This morning, there's an opportunity, Lord, to surrender. Lord, I want to thank you that you promise that you will lift us up, that you will exalt us, that you will carry us to the level of connection and friendship with you, God. We think that you are a God of relationship. And Lord, this morning, I know that there would be some that that need to do that business with you. If that's you this morning, you just need to say, hey, I I need to surrender it. I got this going on in my life, and I've bypassed it left and right day after day, and I just need to surrender it before God and let him take it. We'll just give you a moment of silence to go before him. Would you do that? And what you laid before God just now, the Lord receives it. He grabs it. And he will take it from you. You're the only one that can snatch it back. He won't give it back to you. And now he wants to exalt you and lift you up and raise you and give you freedom and hope. And this morning as you leave, I pray that you will have received that, the freedom and joy. Father, if there be anyone here this morning that needs to know you as their Savior and they're ready to just say, Lord, this is the day I surrender before you. Come into my life and be my Savior. I pray that they would pray it and then communicate it with, with somebody as a way of testimony, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Keep speaking in our lives, we pray in your Son's name. Amen.